Welcome to the Metapod, where Jake and Sean here in the cocoon talk about the evolving and revolving meta of devolving and uh, revolving. We're just going in circles here. Just the whole meta is just... balling Free balling. We're free balling this episode today. (laughs) The free balling meta. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're free balling the meta today. We're actually... Fun fact, we're actually not really talking about uh, so much of the meta today. We got a couple things to talk about here. First, get some housekeeping things out of the way. Uh, Not really housekeeping. It's very important stuff. And then we get to the big meat and potatoes. Another interview. Second consecutive episode with an interview. How exciting. We're bringing in some wonderful people talking about the Atlas Pog Championships. Make sure you want to stay in tune for that. But Sean. We've got something crazy that may work or may fall miserably in episode 10. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of want to brief the, the crew? Yeah, we're going to do a Q&A. Uh, we're going to ask, we're going to hope that you ask us questions. And then if you don't, it will just be one hour of silence, which will be very sad. We'll, we'll just sit here and, um, and, you know, it's like, it's like a live television programming when like the phone lines are open. Anytime. What was that? What was that when Twitch Twitch did like this skit where they left a camera in a room and every couple hours like something would happen. Maybe like the phone rang or there's one point like a burglar came in to the house and like another time something fell. I don't know. That is entertainment. It is entertainment. If but we were to just sit here for an hour. But it in, it's an audio only format, Jake. It's not like there's something to look at. <laughs> but maybe maybe I like throw in some wind sound. Maybe I go. <laughs> that would be entertaining. Mm. Like this pot, like, comment and subscribe. Smash that like button if okay. you want that to be a real episode. <laughs> but what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to do a Q&A. Um, so we are going to have in the show notes and we'll also post it on Twitter uh, we'll remind people as well in the next couple of episodes, but we are going to, we're going to create a Google form, uh, that's very simple. Just ask you to like, you know, let us know what questions you might have. So you can use the Google form. Um, if you'd rather, if it's just easier, you can just tweet at us any questions for the Q and a, uh, if you really want, if you want your voice to be on the podcast, um, on anchor, there actually is a way of like, submitting a question via voice. So if if you want to do that, uh, we should be able to see those questions or you can even like send us a video on Twitter or something probably. Um, but however you want to do it, send us questions. You can send us questions about ourself, about our thoughts on the meta, about future format, whatever it's going to be. Um, and that is all going to be for episode 10. So this is episode eight. So two episodes from now. Easy, but easy. also, especially especially on the Google form, like you can you can provide your name if you want. You know, maybe you want to, or maybe you don't have to. If you want to do it anonymous, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of questions would make you want to do anonymous. But if you don't want to, you know, you don't want to add us on Twitter, whatever. You know, maybe you just want to put it put it in. Um, obviously, we're going to read these questions beforehand, so that yeah, if anybody. <laughs> does something stupid well well yeah we'll we'll be on top of that and we'll let that go plus it's recording we just edited it out forehead ha 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 anyways um if for any reason you want to be anonymous 
uh, feel free. You don't have to provide a name. There's an outlet for you. And then also the Google forum doesn't collect emails. So you won't be getting like advertisement emails from us, I guess. I don't know if that's a thing. No, but no, you won't be getting any any further uh, communications from us if you don't upselling. Want I'm going to try to upsell you. What I do know, what I am going to try to sell you is that Champions Path is coming on. Sean, Champions Path was officially revealed the other day. Um, I believe this was a couple days ago. It was like Friday. It's like four days ago. What was four days ago from today? I don't know. It was like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. One of those. Thursday, Friday. Champions Path, the special 2020 holiday set. If you're wondering, what do you mean by special holiday set? It's the set that comes around like September and whatnot. Or I'm sorry. No, yeah, September, right? September era. This is Hidden Fates, Dragon Majesty, Shining Legends, Generations, all of those types of sets. So it's like a mini set. Um, You'll recreate the journey through the Galar region featuring gym logos and foil cards representing the partner Pokemon for each gym leader. Very, very interesting that you may think gym heroes or like gym challenge from way back in the day. No, that's not correct. That is not the way of thinking. Sean, how, what do these, what do these cards look like? What or I the guess the boxes like? the box? or okay. like the, this or is, whatever. This is actually like, I think Pokemon has done a very good job now of creating a range of products that people are going to want to buy all of them. Um, because like last year people bought all of the hidden fate stuff because, you know, shiny Charizard, shiny Pokemon, right? You give people shiny Pokemon, they're going to buy it, but they know that this year is not going to have that same draw necessarily. Now we don't know what all the super special cards in the set's going to be, but they have made a series of pin boxes that feature all of the different gym leaders from Pokemon sword and shield in a number of those boxes. The pin that you get is the gym badge for that, uh, you know, correlated trainer. So like the, the, the gym leader. So like, you know, it's one of those things. I hope the pins are good quality. They'll probably be most of the Pokemon pins that they sell are pretty nice. So you could the collect ones that I have are pretty good. Yeah. So you could collect all of the gym badges for Galar for the Galar region. If you just buy into this set, which is super, I think it's a really, it's a really cool, um, way of going about this. These these will be similar to the Mewtwo and Mew pins where you get the pin, you get the promo card. Um, I don't think these are necessarily promo cards, though. They're just more of, well, they're probably going to end up being considered promos. promo cards. Okay, yeah, they are going to be promos, if I look, but they I are cards that we already have. Them, but like I'm looking at the Colossal as an example, right? And you can see the bottom and it's got like a, a Black Star promo. Okay, so the, I mean, they're all cards that we already have. Sean referenced the Colossal. Um, it's the same colossal with tar generator attached to the fire and the fighting from the discard pile. Um, so soon once legendary heartbeat releases, you'll be able to play with four or I'm sorry, not legendary heartbeat darkness ablaze. You'll be able to play with all four arts of colossals in one deck. If you so choose Mm -hmm. fun fact of the day. But uh, these pin collections, it's got three packs in it. The pin, the promo, similar to like the Mewtwo and Mew from Hidden Fates. $14.99 each is the starting value, I guess. Um, There are six of them for the six gyms that you will face off in either game. Um, 
but then when you get to the part of the certain gyms in Stoneside and Surchester, if you know the video games, where it depends on what game you have, you know, whether you get B or Alistair or Gordy or Melanie, um, those will be a different box. So those will be a $24.99 special pin collection, two pins, five packs. I, I think it's five packs. Yep. And then two promo cards with the oppose, opposing trainers. Um, um, or I think maybe like they're the trainers that you maybe only get in one version of the game or another. Yeah, the exclusive. So like B and Alistair are paired together on a box and then Gordy and Melody are paired together on another box. So um, these are kind of cool. I'm wondering what the price will be in five years when you have all six of these together unopened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, does it does it it doesn't look like a case of this because they have a picture of a case where it's basically six of them, I believe, is a case. Is, are they mm-hmm. considered a case? I don't think a case will essentially guarantee you one of each of the of the one gym things. But I'm curious to see like what a set like one of each of these smaller ones would look like price ways. I think that'd be really, really cool to possibly invest in. I don't know. I'll oh, probably I, not do it. I'm poor. No, I think that um I think you're right in terms of like if you were to collect one of each and just keep those unopened to the side, like that's pretty cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Um it, it really is going to depend, I think the collectability of this set is going to depend on what is in the packs. Because like so like there is speculation that um we may not get amazing rares in Darkness Ablaze. Wait, no, 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 no. Or in Champion's Path. Yeah. I'm sorry, Champion's Path. That's what I meant to say. I was going to say, wait a minute. I watched somebody open up Darkness of Blaze the other day. I, <laughs> I said the wrong one. There's no there's no guarantee that we'll get amazing rares. Um, we have no idea. There's no confirmation. They may save it for the November set, whatever that may be. We don't know. We're not Pokemon. Um, but definitely if they have the amazing rares in the holiday set, which seems like a pretty good thing to put in, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you think? It just depends. Like if I'm the marketing people at Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. And every set that I release, I need to have some chase cards. And then the one chase card, though, that we do know that will be in the set. Charizard V Full Art. Charizard V Full Art. Not Charizard V Max Rainbow, but the Charizard V Full Art. Charizard V Full Art will be included as the promo card in the elite trainer box of champions path starting at 50 bucks which is i I think that's crazy because that if you know if you are following what they're doing in japan the japanese version of that card is a limited run that you Mm -hmm. only get if you like do well at a tournament so that card is actually not a card you can even pull from a pack in japan and they've included it as a guarantee with the elite trainer box which you know, if you've already heard about this on Verbank, like people are like, when can I pre-order? When can I pre-order? Because they're looking at Hidden Fate CTBs going like, okay, well, if I buy this, you know, Champion's Path one, if I buy two or three of them now, it'll be a $200 in a year, which maybe yeah. it will be. If there's the Rainbow Rare Charizard VMAX in this set or the Gold Reshiram and Charizard uh, tag team in this set, which came out in last year's holiday set for Japan... If either of those cards are in this set, I could definitely see this ETB being 
a similar in the whole set being a similar thing to um hidden fates the etb is currently at a market price for hidden fates of 189 dollars and 79 cents but on tcgplayer.com you can get it as low as 310 dollars <laughs> with shipping included that's like at that price you're getting to a point where you're like the actual charizard is just the Charizard the is what's going to drive this, no doubt. Because yeah. like this, from what we know, like I don't even think Amazing Rares will equal the value yeah. of like Shinies. Yeah. Because the Shiny Pokemon have been insane, and it's not just the Charizard that's that really drove up the Shiny price. It's the thrill of like getting a Shiny Pokemon that people go goo goo gaga for. Mm-hmm. Um. So like I don't know if I don't know if this will touch that, but I mean, the ETB will hundred percent. Rainbow Rare okay. Zard Vmax could touch it. Gold Reshiram and Charizard could touch it. We won't get that until a promo. The gold one. Rainbow Rare Charizard Vmax. You don't think? You don't think they might slip it into the set like this? Uh, I think I, it's going to be a promo. Really? I, I do. Have they ever given out a hyper rare as a promo? They have never guess, given out. They've never given out a Japanese event card as they've never released it in the rest of the world. It's only like when a card is printed as a Japanese award, um, it's never reached the rest of the world. To my knowledge, that's what I full art. Yeah, well, yeah, this Charizard V is going to break that, which is why I just think the Charizard V Max is going to be a promo. It's going to be a promo. It's going to be like in the uh, in the. Uh, what are those, those Metagross and Zoroark boxes and Hidden Fates? Oh, man. It's going to be like that. I mean, look, like that, that might be the case, but that, uh, to me, that's just Pokemon. Like, they know. They, to me, that would be shooting yourself in the foot, right? No Cause, way. Because, like... You could sell those for, like, a $200 each, and people would scarf that up so fast. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. If you made it in a product that was high, heavily allocated, especially, meaning, like, you can't get them everywhere... Because, you know, the Reshiram and Charizard alternate art that came in the little box collection, mm-hmm. that's not really worth a lot of money because they printed it. They printed a lot of them, right? Um, yeah, but this is a holiday set, yeah. low print. Yeah, it could. It, you're right. It could be if there is going to be another Champion's Path product that comes out later. Um, there, there will have to be for sure. Yeah, that, that's fascinating to me. Anyways, uh, there's some other stuff like a double V box, a Hatterene V box, some Marnie stuff. The Marnie stuff is not as cool. It's not the Marnie stuff that they got in Japan. We get like the Marnie deck box, the Marnie sleeves, whatever. It's just a box with an alternate art of more Peko V and a Grimmsnarl. And I think like a hangry mode more Peko. So not even cool in my opinion. Don't worry about it. It comes with the playmat, I guess, the the special collection. So we'll we'll see if the playmat is nice. I hope the playmat has Marnie on it. I mean, it's not I, worth it. it. That would be fascinating. But yeah, outside of that, I, I don't really think there's anything else in Champions Path. I think the only thing for me is I actually I'm torn on the name Champions like, Path. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know for some reason Shining Legends, right? Dragon Majesty, um, Hidden Fates. Like those all like, and like, I get that all of the boxes have a theme that goes with it as well, but champion's path doesn't have that same, uh, majesty, if you will, or that same mystique to it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. 
what would you what would you then i wouldn't I if you got to change it. the name but like this is based around this is based around the gym leaders i think that's very obvious um in sword and shield the gig is the champions cup and so to take the path to the champions cup you go through the gym leaders which is all of these boxes and then you've got one of your rivals which i don't well i guess the double and the hatterene are like bead and um hop yeah and then there's marnie which is like literally all your rivals right yeah i i've played through the game twice i should know this but like i think that's like literally everybody i mean look i except leon leon oh my god leon collection box gold i think not gold okay rainbow charizard v max it's gonna have 10 uh, packs in it it's gonna have a master ball in it uh gonna be i I think you're insane now so okay now i'm thinking that that might be like you know how they had like the ultra premium collection that came out in november or something last year ultra premium collection remember that had the shiny rayquaza and metagross with like the pokeballs in it and the big no yeah that's kind of that's like almost what i was talking about yeah i think that um they they might do that now because i mean like leon you're leaving leon out they'd be fucking idiots not to do it i'm dropping the f-bomb now yeah, no, I, they'd that, be idiots not to do anything with a Charizard Rainbow V Max. I feel like we're gonna get it. Okay, it I would wanna, be stupid not to get it, in my opinion. I want to remember and it this. Be, I want to remember this prediction. So that way, when good. it comes true, I can go grab this clip and and good clip it, clip it, ship it, rip it. Let's let's make one 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 quick little segue before we get into the uh, interview. Uh, and we're just gonna talk quickly. The interview is gonna be with uh, Drayden Davis. Uh, he'll introduce himself when we actually get to that section, but, um, and it's going to be talking all about the Atlas Pog Championships, uh, which is a big online tournament. Um, I think the main thing though for the segue is that if you want to test for this event, you can't do it on PTCGO until the 14th of August, and the event is going to be on the 22nd. So between now and then, um, we just wanted to let you know your options. Obviously, you can print out proxies. Um, I will put a link in the description to a place that has all of those proxies that have English translations. Um, so you can certainly print those out and practice at home with friends, whatever that might be. But there's two other options that are really good. Jake, do you want to give the the people listening a sense of what Untap is like? Okay, so Untap is basically just like all the other ones that we're going to talk about. Um, it's a sandbox that people upload and stuff. Um, it's not really aesthetically pleasing, but you get to, it's very common for people of like magic, the gathering or something to test on this program. You upload the cards, scans of it, things like that. You can provide translations. Um, if you only have like a Japanese or a different language scan, um, and then you just can compile a deck. You know, you can say, I want four of this card in my deck and say, have it in your starting hand. And basically, like, you kind of have to do everything yourself. So you have to draw your seven cards. You have to, there's shortcuts. So, like, you can just click and then draw seven. But you got to draw your seven cards. You got to put out your six prizes. You got to um, flip over a card so it's not revealed to like your opponent. Yeah, it's like playing in real life. It literally is. Except um, with except worse controls. You just click a button. Yeah, the controls aren't super friendly. Like, if you group cards, like, it, let's say you have a Senate Scorch with 10 energies on it, 
you know, you got to move every single one of those energies. You know, you can't just like highlight it and move it over. Um, and it's not the most pleasing thing to look at, but it gets the job done. It is free as well. Untap.in. Just put that in your search bar, untap.in. And it's it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I've used it for a couple different sets. Uh, it's pretty good. But personally, if you're willing to pay $20 or have a sugar daddy give it to you for free, aka Sean, generously gifting it to me. Thank well, you, I am Sean. not going to give anyone else who listens Tabletop Simulator for free, though. I'm just going to put just, that out there. Just start, just start a podcast with Sean and, yeah, that's and all you uh, do. tell him that he looks pretty and he'll, he'll send you. <laughs> he'll send you. Anyways, um, Tabletop Simulator is kind of what I've been preferring as I practice more and more. Essentially, it does the same thing as Untap does, except it is something you have to install on your computer. Um, takes a little bit more power to run and you have to you have to find certain files to basically like mod your mm-hmm. um mod your ta- your tabletop simulator yeah they're called workshops um, in tabletop workshops. simulator yes you have to you had to add different workshops so then you have these cards and stuff but um it's very pleasing it's 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 much prettier to look at. It's got much more customization in terms of like the playmat you can use, the dice, all that stuff. Plus, it has the option to flip the table, which is my favorite part. Sean hates it, but I love it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those are two different options. Tabletop Simulator has been used a lot lately for like retro formats or cubes um, or things like that because it it basically does the same thing as Untap. It just like looks prettier and it's a little bit easier sometimes to find exactly what you're looking for yep um sean do you have any other words with i mean all i would say is um i've gone ahead and created a workshop for the pog tournament so if you do want to get tabletop simulator or if you already have it on steam um there's a workshop that i created all you have to do is type in pog space 2020 um, and you should be able to find it if you sort by relevance so Again, I'll put a link to all of this, hopefully, in the show notes. But yeah, that, that's really all. Like, If you want to test this new format that we're going to talk about um, during the interview, those are the resources that I would, uh, I would recommend. And uh, yeah, just go with whatever you have the budget for and the capability to use. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fun to use. It's pretty nice. It does take practice, though. I mean, Untap does as well, but um, I think that I think that tabletop takes a little bit more practice. So as long as you're just like trying it out and playing around with it and stuff, it's very easy to pick up. You just need like one or two games with a friend or someone on Reddit or someone, you know, on Twitter, I guess. And if you want to see what it looks like, uh, I believe Jake will have some videos on tabletop simulator, maybe out by the time this video comes out. No pressure, Jake. Um, I think it would come out on the day after. Well, I guess it uh, I guess it depends on how many games we play. Very soon, Jake will have some videos with it out. I might have some videos in the future as well, but if you want to see what it looks like, just go to either one of our YouTube YouTubes in the next week. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like right. it's time for the interview. I hear our uh friend knocking. Just kidding. We recorded <laughs> this like last week. Um, but yeah, it's a very good interview. Hope you stick around and uh I'll see your pretty faces later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Welcome, uh, Drayden, to the Metapod. Um, Drayden Davis here uh, is one of the uh, organizers for the Pog 2020, but I don't want to get too much into detail because 
I'm certainly not the expert, but Drayden, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, definitely. So uh, like you said, I am one of the head organizers for the Atlas Collectibles um, POG Championships. Um, aside of that, I have a pretty extensive history with the game. I'm playing since 2012 with no real hiatus. I earned a few regional finishes while playing the seniors division, um, just playing in Ontario. But I started taking it more seriously in like 2017. Uh, started traveling for events uh, just last year, 2019, uh, around the beginning. I made top four at Dallas Regionals that year, sort of my claim to relevance to the game. And since September of 2018, uh, I've earned championship points at about 80 different sanctioned events. Um, I got my invite this year for 2020, around February. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I made day two in two of the three Limitless qualifiers that I played. Um, The one that I missed, I missed by one game after starting six and one. Oh, that's always like when you start really well and then you're just sort of like it falls yeah. apart at the end. And you're like, oh, no. Oh. Yeah. My friend who uh, 60 card mirrored with me, Dennis Peroff, he made top eight, though. So it was a it was still a good weekend. <laughs> nice. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we can sort of get into the the meat of it. Um, do you want to just tell folks uh, what that Atlas collectible pog championship is? Just give us a rundown. So um, it's sort of supposed to be an unofficial replacement uh, for the 2020 World Championships since they were canceled. Um, it's a two-day event that is being held um, the, like, the third weekend of August, I believe it is, uh, August 22nd and 23rd. Um, it's free to play and open to anyone from any age division for day one. Um, and then you have to qualify for day two, of course, but there are around 80 players um, who are at the top of the championship leaderboards from this, from this past season who get to skip straight to day two. Um, so this sort of separates it from any other like international event like Limitless, where um, you know anyone can could play that. But this one, by giving the pass to a lot of the day two players, um, honestly, it just ensures that a lot more of them play the event, and it gives it more of a world's feel. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, right? Like, and you're also doing it over just like one weekend, rather than like you know Limitless decided to make like a whole event series out of it, right? Uh, but to your point about like making it feel more like worlds being like an unofficial replica, if you will, replacement, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Condensing it and making it sort of a, a singular affair, if you will. Right. We wanted to make, um, I mean, we want to make day one, of course, open to everyone since, you know, people didn't get the chance to earn their full invites last year. And it's sort of hard based on like con- different regions and uh, how many events they have and stuff to figure out how many points the cutoff would be. So, uh, it's open to everyone, all age divisions, mixed age divisions, no matter how much championship points you had, you can register for day one and plan the event. Um, the event's crowdfunded too, so there is, uh, we've already reached, I think, 2K. Um, and so there is like big cash pricing for the event. Uh, well, yeah, what, what are the details there? I mean, everybody likes to hear cash pricing. Oh yeah, so I can pull up right now the exact numbers. We have right now, uh, we've raised over 2000 USD. So it's a $2,150 price pool for top 32. Um, and it's first 500, second 250, top four is 150, top eight is 75, top 16 is 50, and top 32 is 25. Um, and then as we reach, uh, we're, we're not planning right now on adding any more um, cash pricing directly to the main event. But as we hit more of our stretch goals, uh, we will be adding possibly some more physical prizes, um, possibly some side events with their own set of prizing. 
there's still a lot that we'd like to raise money for. But of course, we have hit that nice $2,150 prize pool for top 32. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, like you've had a hell of a job already getting some good <laughs> stuff. I remember we were we were watching it when Sean first like introduced it to me. It was like it was like two hundred dollars raised. And then all of a sudden, like an hour later, after we recorded the podcast, I looked and like the goal was already completed. And I was like, holy cow. That's yeah, awesome. crazy. Before we even launched, I think uh, the day before we went public, we hit our goal. So we had to like I remember uh, before launching, we were like scrambling, trying to like reword all of our announcements and stuff like that, because we had them all talking about how we needed to hit this $1,000 goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had already hit it by the time we went public. So yeah, that's a that's to, a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Shout out to Atlas Collectibles for that one. Just, yeah, uh, Atlas Collectibles, our head sponsor. And then, of course, uh, the Meta Podcast, <laughs> uh, one of our final sponsors and the Upper Hand Store and Potown Store, store our other sponsors. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is super ambitious, right? Like yeah. hosting this big event, doing cash rising. So, like, do you have a sense of like whose idea it was? I'm sure it wasn't just one person's, but like. Like who were the driving folks? It was kind of, uh, it was kind of funny. So um, there was like a few weeks back. um, I just, my, I think I was actually talking to like uh, my team and um, one of my friends mentioned like wishing we could have Canadian nationals back. Um, And he was talking about like um, how he, like we could do something over PDCGO where we just invite all the best players in Canada. That gave me the idea of like, well, couldn't we run worlds ourselves then? And just, invite all of the players who qualified for day two and so i sort of started on that project and then um, i don't know how this started from their side but i was asking around trying to get other organizers involved and i found out uh neil um who is the organizer of the sunday open was had just the same day um i believe started to organize a team to make a completely open world like replacement for the world championships event um so it was just this weird coincidence where uh, we two player two organizers tried to start basically a world championships at the same time, um, and so we just sort of combined our two events to be where and created that sort of system where we had this open worlds event like Neil had been planning, and then uh, added in the day two invitees system. I think like you know. It's good that you decided to combine forces, right? Because like you, you don't want to have competing worlds events. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. I wanted to make sort of a full world event, but of course, for it's just an idea I I had on my own with no funding, and so I wasn't pl- like that would have been way too ambitious for me. And then so when I heard Neil was working on it, and I had already talked to a p- few people who said they'd be interested in getting involved, and he already had a team that was interested in getting involved, so we just sort of all combined and. Uh, where we were able to do this, like you said, this very ambitious thing and it's all, everything's gone very smoothly so far. And in terms of like everybody who's hosting it, I think what sold me on it, to be frank, like, you know, I, you know, Jake and I cover a lot of the other events out there. And I think we both participated in a majority of the events to some degree or another, maybe not to the same degree that Cashman does, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I feel like he's in every event, but, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. So, but you know, outside of, outside of the, you know, cash man, uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, we've done a lot of the events. And when I saw the roster of the organizers, I was like, you have Neil Pye with the Sunday open, you have Ethan from the Hegster. Uh, you have, are, are any of the folks from Limitless helping organize this in some fashion? 
Uh, yeah, we have so Connor Hayward, um, just Limitless Connor on Twitter. He is uh, the stream lead, and he he completely uh, was on the stream for Limitless. He helped them organize it, uh, and yeah, so we have uh, we do have a, a kind of like a representative from Limitless from over there. Of course, uh, Robin Schultz is playing in the event. Otherwise, yeah, I uh, saw that Robin was playing. <laughs> so like for me, like that right there says like okay, well. You have everybody who's been busy organizing their own tournaments for the last three or four months. You know, it gave me a lot of confidence that like, okay, this thing will probably be run about as well as one could hope because you have everybody who's been doing this at small scales all the way up to like limitless scales sort of pitching in. Yeah, we have uh, about an 18 person team right now of staff members, like seven people who are like we have labeled as like organizers and then like 11 more people who are just like on helping with everything sort of so when looking at when looking at the event and how like people have reacted to it as of right now has there been more attention or like is this about the amount of people that you anticipated that would have like expressed interest in this event the amount we basically so like the reception has been Huge so far, of course. We have 700 players in our Discord right at the time of recording. Uh, 200 followers on Twitter, like launch day we had. And we have been able to reach out to like 90% of the day two invitees and like had them confirm that they are going to try to play the event. Um, And of course, the sponsorships, like I said, took off before we even launched. And so as far as like the player size, I think I expected at least like 700 players, but uh, certainly not within a week of <laughs> announcing that I expect it. All of the players sort of flooded in a lot quicker than I think we all expected. This is sort of where I expected to be uh, maybe a week before the event. So, yeah, like before you even opened up, we're recording this for people at home before registration actually opens. But uh yeah, before registration is even up, yeah, the uh, Discord has like six, seven hundred people in it already. Yeah, and I know, like, just from experience playing in the Limitless events and stuff, I like I'd have me and so many friends who who like forgot to join the Discord and hopped in to the Limitless Discord the day like the day before the event. We're definitely optimistic right now. I mean, we we definitely already have everything we need to run a big event at this point. I mean. Uh, like even if we didn't get any more players or any more funding, like we'd be good already. So we're, we're very like blown away by the community's response. Okay. So I think we've talked a lot about like the structure of it and everything, like, you know, how you put it together. I want to talk about the format for a second. Um, and I think this is maybe a point of contention among some of the people (laughs) that are in the event, but like the ultra prism to darkness ablaze format Jake and I are newbies, relatively. We've been playing about a year. So the only world that we know is a world's after rotation. Oh, so, okay. Which is like, you know, I, I've heard that um, that's unique for last year. Like, right, they always do worlds before rotation, before that. So Yeah, about, about 16 years of pre-rotation <laughs> leading up to that. <laughs> so last year was like a weird time to join the community, huh? We get that. Yeah, we get the question about the format a lot. Uh, I don't know how much of it is new players and how much of it is veteran players who maybe just like the change, but we certainly get a lot of people asking like, Oh, why did you choose uh, ultra prism to darkness ablaze? Um, no one's uh, put up like 
like it hasn't been too much of a problem but um we ha do have like a lot of reasons uh for why we chose this format 16 years of pre-rotation so i guess that's like <laughs> Most of the staff, like we have been all playing for a while. So it's kind of like what we're used to. It's like, this is the norm for Worlds to us. I, I got a few people messaging me saying like, oh, well, Worlds this year was going to be uh, post-rotation. So um, this event should have been post-rotation. But in reality, we hadn't had it announced at all what the format was going to be. Um, in fact, the I, I, my sources tell me, I did not double check this, um, but other staff members have told me that rotation was supposed to be August 28th weekend, which is a week after this event is taking place. Yeah, that's what that's what I was under the impression of what ro when rotation was going to be. Yeah, so um, Worlds would normally take place the same week and we're running this. I don't know if uh, they were going to push it back or uh, how that was going to work. But um, if Worlds was going to be August 22nd to 23rd, um, like it normally is that weekend of August, um, and rotation was going to be August 28th, and Worlds actually would have been a pre-rotation Worlds. Larger card pools usually means more consistent decks, which usually means less variance. We wanted the event to be a unique format. Uh, it's cool that to have this format that is unique to this um, outside of Japan, uh, this event, and really no one would have gotten to experience this format outside of Japan otherwise, except like maybe if you're free for a few weeks on PTCO, which I have heard a lot of people saying that, like they're happy about that. Um, so that is nice to hear. Um, we already have deck lists for the event from Japanese tournaments in this format. So it gives people more of a starting uh, place. Of course, you can always uh, look at like you, uh, YouTube content of post rotation lists, but of course they're not always as fleshed out as, you know, a big Japanese yeah. tournament. And the last one was, for me, this is like why I really like pre-rotation worlds personally, is that the format gives a player's chance to use cards and decks that earn them a lot of success throughout the rest of the season. This usually is like for players like who used one deck to earn their invite, but even for like day two players uh, for the Pog Championships, like they like there are a lot of players who stick to one deck throughout a season um, or just like find themselves playing one deck for most of the season and uh worlds is always a it's always cool when you can bring that deck to worlds and it's sort of like a culmination of all the previous events that you've played that season uh, it's like a grand finale last year to me worlds felt more like the beginning to a, to the 2019 to 2020 season like everyone was watching worlds with the idea that this was the start of our new format right whereas you know normally the season just feels like a like a finale to like all of the all of the events that we've had in this format so far. Like for the 2019 to 2020 worlds, it was still like weird to me, having been playing so long, to see like Zoroark GX, Zapdos, um, and even just like like wall stall archetypes, three variants that like really dominated tournaments that season. Like they just like basically unplayable at worlds. Well, because they were they weren't legal, right? Like Zorark, yeah, exactly. it's like okay, well. So it's like I I know someone who was like, and this is obviously just like an outlying example, but um, just to give you an example of what I mean, like I I have a friend who like played Zorark to he earned all of his championship points with Zorark GX, and he was like he was relatively disappointed when they announced like mid season that it was going to be post rotation worlds, and so like he wouldn't be able to play Zorark GX because that's what he was used to, that's what he'd been playing all season, that's what he had tested with, that's what he had earned his invite with. Um, and some players do do better in different in some formats than others. 
So they might have been better in the format that they earned the invite than the format that they're playing the world championships in when you rotate. That's um, it, that's fascinating because like your point about like they always do it pre-rotation except last year. And it makes me think now it's just theory crafting, but like why, why was last year different? Because if they would have done pre-rotation again this year, the reason I can start to think is maybe Mewtwo and Mew, right? That's a card they were printing that could mm-hmm. use every GX. And if they'd done it pre-rotation, the, the card pool for Mewtwo and Mew would have been every GX card ever printed, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know, maybe they were like when they were testing Mewtwo and Mew out, they were like, wow, this is... I mean, it still won the event no matter what. Yeah. But it was like, maybe it was just so unfair. I, you know, I don't know. But that to me, that, I don't know, maybe that was like a weird element to it, right? You print this card that basically says you can use all the best cards from a set. Yeah. You know what, that honestly could be, I'm sure there were like, no one really tested that format, right? Because we didn't get Mewtwo. Uh, we didn't get that format, really. Yeah. But um, I'm sure there would have been broken combos with Mewtwo. I mean... From the time it came out, it's still like sees relative play now. It's still going to expand it. Um, and especially when it came out, it was like, this card's going to be ridiculous. So I would actually, I hadn't really thought of that. And I'd really like to think that that is the case because I have very little faith in uh, Pokemon's <laughs> like research and development team. Yes. Like, I, I have very little faith in them testing the format ahead of time and being like, no, this isn't good. So we need to fix it. Um, I'm used to them fixing those problems retroactively. So I would actually really like to think that that is what happened. <laughs> yeah, they Possibly. print Scoop Up Net and in a, in a format we've expanded that also has Shaman and they don't announce a ban. Like, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, they haven't hosted an expanded event yet, so there's no <laughs> need for true. them to ban it. We'll address that problem when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, they, they have to wait until after there's damage done and then they can fix it. Like that, actually yeah. retroactive. So when you're when you're looking at this format, and we talked about like there's just a huge card pool that's going in there. What do you think is going to be not only the best decks going into this event, or maybe like the most popular as well? So I'll start with the most popular, um, and even like at a normal World Championships, this tends to be the case. It'll be probably be Eternatus VMAX because it's the hype deck. You'd think that like normally at Worlds that would be like less true because there's less because uh, like with a higher caliber player, um, you expect them to be less swayed by like the deck that receives the most hype. But um, I feel like the hype deck going into Worlds is almost always this like crazy like really fast aggressive deck which appeals to um, a Worlds format where you know, you might be very close in skill level to your opponents. When a lot of there's a lot of uh, top players that think like that at Worlds, where they're like, "Okay, if me and my opponents are going to be playing the same skill level, then I'm going to need to play a deck that can high roll my opponent." And so, Eternatus Vmax just kind of seems like that deck this year. Not to say that it isn't good; it certainly is. Um, but just like everything about Eternatus Vmax screams like this is the deck that uh, basically everyone will want to pick up. It's like the Rayquaza GX of uh, the 2017 to 2018 season. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like it's fast, it's aggressive, um, it's like relatively straightforward to play. Uh, the other thing is it can be built in a lot of different ways. There's, it has a lot of options. 
which means I, I I think that in my opinion, a lot of times when player when there's decks like that where you can like make your unique variant of it, um, players will like find their unique variant and they'll sort of they'll try to keep it secret. And because they're keeping it secretive, that'll like hype it up in their mind even more. So they they overestimate it a bit sometimes. Um, like I said, I do think Eternatus VMAX is probably very good, but um, as for the best decks in the format, I would definitely say Vicvolt. Yeah, I think Vicvolt is probably like a tier above everything else, at least. Yeah, you, should, you should ask Sean about Vicvolt. Oh my god, me and <laughs> me and Jake were in Tabletop Simulator last night, just just playing around and like getting familiar. <laughs> and I built a Vicvolt deck, and I built a Senescorge deck. And Senescorch, in my mind, is a deck that should do okay against Vicavolt because yeah. it accelerates to itself from the discard, right? You, you, once you power the thing up, it generally can take Okos. But I just got slapped by Vicavolt. Yeah. A- <laughs> I didn't even use Item Lock that much, to be honest. Like, in the beginning I did, but... That's such a familiar thing, because I played in, the, in the, all the eras where Seismitoady X was, like, crazy dominant. Uh, with Hypnotus Glazers and Crushing Hammers. Um, and especially when it had, like, Shamaniax and could basically draw through most of its deck in one turn. Of course, it had Trump Card at the time, which was the real problem. But um, Vicavolt kind of, like, it has that level of draw power. It can do even more damage consistently. Um, of course, Pokemon have more HP, but I think it evens out pretty nicely, especially because Cyclone Todiax never had, like, the great backup attackers that Vicavolt does. I mean, there's so many good Lightning attackers. And that you have e-power still in format and you have Thunder Mountain. Right. So like turn one item lock is easy. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you have everything that Seismic Toad had. You have the, the ways to get the double energy into play. You have this, just the general strength of item lock. You have the damage buffers. You have Crushing Hammer in the format if you really wanted to play it. Uh, and then you have more because you have all the alternate attackers. And it's like the 190, the second attack of Vicable is so easy to get off compared to Seismic Toad's second attack. Oh, yeah. Cause it's just like it's just straight lightning energy. That's it. Yeah. It's not like a weird like two water, one colorless type deal. Yeah, like it, and you're not already playing like you're invicable. You're already playing like a decent amount of lightning energy. You're already going to want two lightning energy onto your invicable using mm. the attack. So you're just one attachment away from doing the big attack. Whereas Seismic the X, the water energy isn't really useful for anything else. So you're just kind of like, okay, well I'll put a few in there in case my opponent plays special energy disruption, and then. You know, I can attach. I can take three turns to power up this 130 damage attack that doesn't one shot my opponent's Pokemon. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited. I don't really play control or item lock. Like that's not my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But boy, howdy, I'm I'm thinking about playing Vicavolt. It's 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 weird to think about because now, like we, when when Siphon Toad was really popular, people weren't playing control as. Frequently, like when Whaler DX became a thing, Whaler hmm. Stall, that was like a huge deal. That was like, what Wall Stall is back? That hasn't been around for years. Now, in in the past like few years, there has been a very clear. There's always been very clear control decks and control players who like always go towards those decks. When Seismic DX was dominant, everyone was playing Seismic DX. It didn't matter who you were. You were probably playing Seismic DX. You want to play Yggdrasil X? You're probably putting Seismic DX in it. Want to play Magmanetric? You're probably putting Seismic DX in it. Item Lock is just that good. I the only deck that I think I would be confident I'm going up against Vicvolt with is like Extra Drill. Yeah, where you <laughs> one shot everything. Even then, like Vicvolt, like could beat it. 
but like at least you like should in theory steamroll Vicvolt with Excadrill. I mean, if you get the attack off, yeah, but like not being able to yeah. use the things to help find your like Zeb Strikers, I don't know. Yeah, well, basically, you know, you're going to get at least one turn of items, so you have to like, you know, this is what people did with Scythe and DX. You just have to play as many as you can turn one. You got to hope yeah. you can get like, and you're going to have to get two Drillbur down and two Blitzel because otherwise they can knock out uh, whatever basic you only have one down of. So it is, I mean, like, Vicvolt <laughs> definitely still can can beat it. Uh, but you know, on paper, if extra drill sets up, um, you know, if you get a substrike down and then have an extra drill up, you should be okay because you have the substrike for draw power. You have Brock's grit, uh, mm-hmm. which is an item to recycle your stuff. So, so the one thing I want to figure out is how to play the mirror because I do think Vikavolt will be popular enough. And uh, I've got I've got like a combo of three cards in my mind that feel like just just like the perfect answer. Buzzwool, Beast Energy, Vitality Band. <laughs> just, you can... You, you, you can't put, play Vitality Band when you're item locked. Well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I mean, the Vitality no, Band I mean, is for Eternatus, right? Because Buzzwool, Beast Energy, Vitality Band, you're hitting 160. Yeah. And then, so if you have like a Zigzagoon or something in the deck or just some other minor modifier. Yeah, but you play, I mean, I'm seeing everyone put uh, special energy in their Eternatus builds right now. I'm seeing like capture energy a lot. So just put a Giratina uh, from, I don't even remember what set it is. Uh, uh, the special Lost energy Thunder. discard Giratina. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, yeah, put one of those in, play four Crushing Hammer, wipe them to zero energy in one turn, and then item lock them. And it's like, that's it. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Giratina from Unified Minds, the yes. Dimension Door. Yes, yes, that one. Yeah. Put them down to zero energy, and then just item lock. That's how Slasmitoid always did it. It always worked. <laughs> Even all these decks that were supposed to have, like, like you said, like, um, sent to Scorch. That sounded so familiar to me when you're like, oh, like, it self-accelerates and all this stuff. And it's like, that's what people said about decks like, fa- mm-hmm. like Fairy Box and Aromatisse, where they're like, oh, well, like, it accelerates to itself, can move the energy around. And then Slasmitoid, you still see like really good players like Jason Lazinski who like just completely dominate Aromatis decks in like top eight and stuff like that. I, you know, the more I hear about all this, I just, in my brain, I just say, this is just the EX era, but bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I, like we, Pokemon loves to repeat itself. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that's probably enough uh, about what we think is going to be the most popular or the best decks. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of testing going on for sure. Um, but I guess I guess I want to go on to like the next question, which is like, what are you and the team I think most worried or concerned about? You know, like hosting this big event. Uh, which love to get a peek into y'all's mind. Yeah, so we're we're pretty optimistic right now. We um we spend a lot of time every day, like probably hours every day, um, at least, just bringing up potential problems and then like debating them to death until we find a solution that we find viable. There are just like a few people in um, our our team, including myself, that are like, I'm always trying to criticize every decision we make that we we make sure we like find all the flaws in it. Um, like devil's advocate. Exactly. Um, you know, basically, you want to try to bring up every single question that that the players might ask you. So right now, like we're like we're very optimistic. Um, any like major problem is probably going to like end up taking us. By surprise, because we just haven't thought of it yet. Um, but they're like 
a few things that we would be worried about, like obviously like a too low attendance would be disappointing, but like, you know, like I said, we've, we've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of attention already. So um, I guess it would be a matter of like a lot of the players in the discord, just not playing. There's a potential concern about PDCGO rotating before the event, but uh, we do have like, we, like we have a solution for that. We'll just have people play in unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, it like it opens up to where people can put unlimited cards in their deck, but if they do, then their opponent's going to be like, "Hey, that's an unlimited card." So <laughs> I mean, it's really pretty obvious when somebody slams down, like you know, something yeah. else. The event may overlap with the pre pre recording of the Players Cup Finals. Um, we're sort of the Players Cup Finals stream is the weekend after, so we're kind of suspecting that they might pre record the finals the weekend before, um, mm. which is like disappointing if like those players can't play but it is only 16 people um we do still have the day one the day one pod one uh i i guess i didn't really touch on that we the day one will have two pods in very different time zones um that way you can adjust like if you are in the australia or japan time zone you can play in the first pod you can find more information on the specific times at our discord yeah so the day one pod one will not will definitely not overlap with the recording of the event. So players could still play in that if they uh, if they were in the Players' Cup Finals and wanted to play day one. Um, as far as the day two players go, uh, if they were eliminated on the Saturday while they're recording, they could still play in day two, of course, uh, of our event. So there's like, it's at most 16 people that would, would not be able to play, uh, probably a couple less than 16 people. So we're not too concerned about it, but it is... That's probably like our biggest thing that's like, oh, this could like be annoying. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I feel that. I personally no have some paranoia that is mostly unwarranted about servers crashing or somehow losing a bunch of tournament data or something only because of what happened during the first Limitless event. <laughs> yeah. Because um, like you look at them, all the events after, they clearly have things like running smoothly. So like they didn't like, they knew what they were doing and they had that big problem at the start. So like, I do have some paranoia about something like that happening. Um, but of course, we're we're doing everything that we can to avoid a situation like that. Which, I mean, if if something like that does happen, um, we're lucky that it's free to play. Uh, but we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably try to figure that out uh, as it comes up. But I don't think it should be a problem. We, we have, like I said, we've nitpicked everything about our planning for the event. Um, we've been very careful about which systems we choose to use and we're very optimistic right now. I, I don't see any major, um, any major concerns that are actually like warranted. All right. As, as a joke, as a joke, but also a little bit serious. Has anybody brought up Coochie baby? (laughs) (laughs) Um, like that's a, have, that's kind of like a legitimate question though, but it is a little bit jokingly, you know. Yeah, uh, we have not we have not talked about uh, just like the topic of like names in yeah, general using uh, appropriate names. So we'll that shouldn't we'll be able to like catch any of that before it happens. Um, we have like our our we like like I said we have an eighteen person staff, so we always have people like checking out the discord seeing what messages people are sending and seeing the names of everyone who enters the chat like we had someone um enter under um a discord name that was like a anagram for um a 
vulgar word. So um, we just changed their nickname. You can't change your own name on the Discord. Um, we just messaged them, said like, hey, what's your actual name? We'll change your Discord nickname to that. Um, shouldn't really be a problem. We can catch all of that before it happens. Um, of course, in the situation like what happened then, that was a, a, I know a lot of people weren't happy with how Limitless handled that. Um, but of course, like it's, you know, Limitless wasn't, you know, it's not something you're, you're going to be prepared for. So Limitless were just sort of trying to solve the situation as quickly as they could. Um, yeah. They I think hold up the event and it's sort of a situation where, um, we get to learn from what happened with Limitless, where if that would come up for us, we can investigate it. And if it was a problem, then, you know, we'd, we'd have looked into it <laughs> more securely. You also have the benefit of like, if people need to register ahead of time, yeah, uh, then you can see all their PTCGO names. And I, I do think there was an element of like Limitless maybe wasn't even considering that it was going to be an issue because like, well, if they're right. approved on Pokemon, then this should be fine. But now like you can have a quick glance, right? And be like, everything seem everything seemed good here. And then okay, cool. Yeah, that's it's like it's it was very clear that like they just didn't like weren't expecting it, came out of nowhere. Like I think like I said, like a lot of people were unhappy with uh, the way they handled it, but you know, they're human. They were trying to get this event running on time. Uh and you know, this like they weren't prepared for it. So they just they they made a decision on the spot. That's what they had to do, and yeah. we get to learn from them retroactively that's uh our benefit how can people get to be a part of this event you know i'm hearing this podcast i'm like ah, oh, you know what let's uh let's uh let's let's test our luck here registration uh could almost not be more simple for the event so first you join the discord uh you can find the invite in multiple places on all of our facebook posts uh, on our facebook page uh on our twitter which is at atlas pog a-T-L-A-S-P-O-G, um, which you should probably follow for updates uh, anyways. Um, in the bio of the Twitter account, there's the dis- an invite to the Discord server. And then once you're in there, um, before looking into registering and anything like that, please, I want everyone hearing this, if they uh, join the Discord, to please read um, the welcome page and the information page and everything in the Frequently Asked Questions channel. The we have the amount of time we would have saved people if they had read those, it'll take you like 10 minutes. It's all important information. Um, and if you've done that, then you'll probably have found the instructions to register for the event. Um, but if, in case you haven't, all you have to do is we're going to, this isn't up as of the time recording this, but it will be. Um, there is a registration channel. You go in there. You type uh, exclamation point register, I think. Let me double check. Yeah, it'll be okay. it'll be some pretty basic command, though, right? Yeah, it's going to be there's going to be a, a command that it's it's either re- registration exclamation mark or exclamation mark registration, and then a bot will DM you um, questions. Then you'll just answer them, and then you'll be registered. Um, Decklist will come at a later time. Um, for now, the important thing is, um, just go to the registration channel, input that command. Uh, you'll be able to find it on the, most likely in the information channel on the discord, what that specific command is. Um, and the bot will register you and it'll take all your information in itself. Um, it'll assign you 
you're like whether you're a master or whether you're if you're a junior or senior, it'll assign you that role, uh, and you know it'll assign you the day one player role um, automatically. You just just talk to the bot. Talk to the bot. <laughs> and and what you're also yeah. saying, reading is fundamental. So please, please, for the love of God, read yeah. the FAQ. Yeah, please read the FAQ. We even if um, I mean if you only speak. Spanish or Japanese, you can't understand what I'm saying right now anyways, but we even have uh, frequently asked questions right now in Spanish and Japanese, which we will have linked to at the time. Um, so um, we, who knows, maybe by then we'll have, maybe by the time this goes up, we'll have other languages available. So everyone should be able to read the frequently asked questions channel and get, it, it really there shouldn't, there, I, I feel like it answers pretty much every question that we've gotten, that we've gotten and you could have. So if you read that, you'll probably be good and you'll be able to understand everything that's going on. We'll, uh, we'll put it in the, uh, the show notes as well, a link to the Discord and, and all that jazz, a link to the Twitter as well. Uh, so if you're listening to this, which, I mean, you have to be listening. If, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a prerequisite. Yeah, you can go into the show notes and, uh, and find all those links. If you're not listening to this, you cannot do that. Yeah, if you're not listening to this, I don't know how you're hearing this. But that is very strange. Yeah, I mean, actually, maybe you can still because, uh, like, you're capable of some weird things. Well, I guess you're capable of looking at the show notes and not listening. But anyways, this is getting too, <laughs> too meta, even for the Metapod. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you, Drayden, for, uh, for your time and ex- explanations on the uh, Atlas Pog Championships. Thank you for having me on. Okay, rant. Don't bag on people that play control in the Pog Championships. Yeah, please do not. As a as someone who's earned most of his points with control decks, please do not rag on the control players. We're still human. Yeah, the mill players are fair game, but the control players, no, no. No, (laughs) stop it. (laughs) All right, well, I think that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you guys to subscribe and, and rate us on podcast stuff and everything, and Give us, give us five stars, Uber driver, all that stuff. Give us an honest review. Yes, give us and an become honest the Pog review. Champ. Become the Pog Champ. <laughs> that's <laughs> the that's the phrase, the Pog Champ. Next thing you need in that Discord are, are, are emotes. You need like emojis or, or something in that Discord now. Yeah, we we gotta we gotta add some. I know uh, Neil has just been using the ones that he has from the Sunday Open, but uh, yeah. we definitely got to add some more emotes. All right. Um, just literally all Pokemon, like, doing different Pog Champs. That would be pretty baller. Just all, that's it, that's it. All just 800 different Pog and some odd Pokemon doing Pog Champ. Yeah, 890 <laughs> plus. All right. Uh, that's it. We're signing off now. Uh, we will catch you in another episode. Peace. Bye. Goldine is peak Pokemon creativity. It's a goddamn goldfish.